The jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press. It's Audrey Salvis and Eric France here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. You can also stream us on 1069thefan.com. And you can find us on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify at MD Intern. Running the ones and twos, we appreciate his help today uh, in in doing so. We've got some great content on the fans' website right now. Oh, it's just it's piling up. fan dot com podcasts from our past episodes, great interviews that we've had with some of these Aggie legends, press conferences from Coach Smith and Coach Anderson coming in uh, hot and heavy right now. Uh, it's, it's it's coming in Mach nine. Uh, and, and speaking of which, tons we, of Aggie content. Yeah, a ton, and and that's kind of the biggest complaint when I get on Twitter is that people are like, man, how come you guys, how come nobody talks Aggies around here? And I have to get on there and reply, hey, have you heard of the Full Court Press? Here's our website. Please go there and find it. And then they'll like direct message me and say, dude, thank you so much. I live in Salt Lake, and so I can't hear you guys or I can't listen to you. I had no idea there was an Aggie station with all this. And I mean, one person was just like, I've already gone through like your last seven episodes. In the span of like two days, just going through stuff because they, you know, they're driving a lot, and so they'll just listen, and they love it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're outside of our broadcast area, you can always stream online, which is awesome. Or go back after the fact and listen. Yeah, to and our if you're for work and you miss it, and yeah, just go back on our podcast platform. And uh, again, the the views have been great. We appreciate you all for listening. By the way, we hope I hope you know uh, how much we appreciate that. Are you guys tuning into us? So we've spoken to Troy Roll. Troy Roll. And Mr. Hops. Yeah, dude, I've been told how high he could jump to dunk. I didn't know. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Yeah. He had dunk over that seven-footer yes. Boise State guy. Yes. A lot of people remember that fondly. Uh, conversations with, uh, we got Spencer Nelson t- right now. Just a second. We got Bernard Rock coming up. The Rock. You smell it, the Rock is, I better not crack that joke to me. We spoke to Tyler Newbold yesterday. Yeah, he was actually really good. Really good stuff. Yeah, uh, he was really good. He had some good stories too. I was, I was that was a lot of fun to have him on. And then of course, uh, Roddy Anderson was on our podcast. Um, you could again find him on our podcast platform and and listen to him. He was actually really good about the ninety four ninety five team and and kind of gave us idea of what it looked like back then with Larry Eustachy as the head coach and very dedicated to his guys. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that was fun. Absolutely, that was fun. There's a couple, and by the way, a little bit of a home court advantage, if you will, against BYU. <laughs> with remember the door open. Oh yes, yes. Some um, <laughs> some some technical some home difficulties. Court tactics. Yeah. Home court tactics. Right. It was yeah. it was awesome. So without further ado, this Eric, this was an honor and a pleasure to be able to do this. Uh, Spencer Nielsen was one of the all time greats. In fact, he's in Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame. Something he was humbled and honored by. In this interview, you're going to hear him talk about that. You'll hear him talk about. What it was like to play in the Big West, you know, in what the Big West Conference was actually a lot tougher than people could remember or even might know back credit in the state. Absolutely. Uh, you'll hear him talk about uh, J.C. Carroll versus Sam Merrill. Uh, you'll hear him talk about some of the heartbreaking losses, including one that stands out to him the most. And who didn't want to be stuck in an elevator with Stu Morrill? That's right. I forgot about that part. Yes. Here is our, one of our favorites. This is Spencer Nielsen on the Full Court Press. It's been a lot of fun catching up with these former Aggies and uh, former basketball players. What are we calling it, AJ? Our, our interviews with above-average former Aggie basketball players? That's what you wanted to call it? I, I think Aggie Legends is better. You know, I, I remember you telling me 
we could call it the Aggies who never won an NCAA tournament game. And I thought that was really harsh, All right, especially for our next guest who's been through some heartbreaking stuff. I thought that was a little harsh. So I finally came out with the Aggie Legends series, and I think that sounds better. Spencer Nelson you joins know, I, us. And what, what title would you prefer that we call this series when we talk to you? I, I think it would all be true. I mean, uh, for sure, Aggies that never won an NCAA tournament game. I, I had teammates professionally, guys that played in like Carolina and Duke and those guys. They called us the watch team, that we would come and collect our watch from the NCAA tournament and go home immediately afterwards. But uh, <laughs> a, 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 above, above average Aggies, I would like to think I was, but... You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I was an average Aggie, but you can call it whatever you want. Uh, we can just even call it just Aggie basketball players, maybe. You might try to be modest and humble about it, but I don't think there's any way to, to get around how great you were. The fact that you made the Utah State Basketball Hall of Fame, or Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame, uh, obviously one of the uh, great legends of the Utah State Aggie basketball squad. I remember talking to Coach Morrill. He had nothing but great things to say about you. When you think back on your Aggie career, what part stands out to you the most that you cherish still to this day? I think most basketball players will tell you, it's, and it's really cliche, but it's the relationships and the memories you have uh, with the guys of what you, you go through each individual season. And each season has a little bit of its own identity and turning points and kind of milestones. And so it, it's, it, it's the relationships and the memories with those guys going through those things. And then, like I said, I, I don't remember much. My wife will tell you I, my memory at times are poor, is pretty poor. But uh, but there's kind of monumental, at least, you know, parentheses, monumental pivotal points in each season. And those are the ones I remember. And those are the fun, fun memories to think about. You were part of some pretty special teams at Utah State. Uh, had some great runs. Played under a, a tremendous coach in Stu Morrill. What's fun about what's happening this weekend is these teams are getting back together. Stu Morrill's coming back into town. Uh, what are some of your memories of Stu, playing under him? Uh, maybe some of the things that we didn't all see behind the scenes. You know what? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of great memories of Stu from the first year. Uh, you know, he <clears throat> Larry was the one that actually recruited me. And then Larry left to Iowa State the summer before my freshman year, and so Stu was the only coach that I knew that I actually played for. And, you know, from from showing up and him starting the program and beating Utah when they were, I think they were ranked sixth that year in the nation, uh, to when I came back from my mission and he had the program rolling. And uh, I, I would say the thing about Stu that made him so great was his attention to detail. Uh, whether it be in practice and running plays or how we travel, he he had a very fine-tooth comb that he reviewed everything with, and his attention to detail was awesome. Um, you know, most people, I think, Stu was who he was. And so if you listen to him in press conferences, if you went to Aggie luncheons, and he was he was very – he could be very charismatic. He really could. He told a lot of really good jokes. Um but then he also was very professional and, and, and kept to himself in some ways, kept certain things private. Um, but but behind the scenes, I think you saw Stu more, uh, and even players, a lot of players probably didn't see this. I remember John Neal used to say, oh, my worst nightmare was to get stuck in the elevator with Stu, you know, between just the first and the third floor in the spectrum, because he's like, I don't know what to say to coach. And... Uh, and I'd say he just talked to him, and he's like, I could never talk to him, you know, because he, he did have that head coach uh, air about him. 
but uh, but I think there are a few of us that you know, for some reason you know connected with them a little bit differently and uh, and if we were stuck in the elevator we'd just joke around with them and he would joke around with us I think Stu has a great great sense of humor and he didn't he he was fine at poking fun at you and uh, if you poked fun back you know he was good with it so I think his sense of humor honestly is one of the greatest things that most people I think sometimes they saw but they probably didn't get a full flavor of. Who's the best trash talker on the team? I mean, you guys had some great, great athletes on that squad. And I'm sure there was a lot of talking, especially in practice. You want to know what? We, we honestly, there was not a lot of talking when I was there, AJ. We didn't, Stu was probably the biggest trash talker. <laughs> was, if, 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 I, I remember, I, and I, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but there was a teammate of mine once who, wasn't going as hard as he should or, or whatever you want to say. And we were running a drill, and uh, and I went baseline on him and dunked it. And uh, I didn't say anything. But Stu, Stu was the one that started talking trash and, uh, and said, that's exactly what I would do if guy wasn't playing defense, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so, honest, honestly, we didn't talk much. I, I mean, I don't think Stu would have put up with, you know, garbage like that if we would have talked a whole lot. And, that just wasn't the way we operated for the most part. Again, we're talking to Spencer Nelson. He's uh, one of the all-time greats at Utah State for many different reasons. And, and Spencer, the, the teams that you were on, uh, they had tremendous runs in the Big West. Some of the battles that you guys had, there were some pretty good teams, maybe underrated teams from uh, what a lot of people realize. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, when you look at the Mountain West in its heyday, or even the WAC when, you know, Nevada and Louisiana Tech, I mean, you had a number of NBA guys, and that was in the Big West. But I, I think there were some really good teams that, that year that uh, we were ranked nationally. Uh, Pacific was really, really good. And then my senior year, Pacific was still really good. Irvine had some good teams. And then Fullerton, Fullerton usually was the most talented team. And they did have a couple NBA guys. Uh, they had uh, Pop Sow and, uh, and Bobby Brown, who had a great professional career, and then some other guys. But they, they couldn't put it together consistently, obviously. But if you caught them on the wrong night, they could have beat anybody. But there were, there were I mean, like I said, Pacific, uh, those days, Marker, Yango, Dubly. Uh, I mean, three or four guys that went and played professionally in Europe were on that team. Irvine had a couple teams with, uh, with some professionals on it. And so, yeah, they, there were some battles, and it was a lot of fun. Pacific going back and forth with them and, uh, and Irvine. Uh, yeah, it, it was a great league. I know people kind of bag on it in the sense it wasn't as highly rated, and it wasn't. I mean, that's just matter of fact. But there were some good teams and probably undervalued a little bit. But um, it, it, for me, it was the perfect storm. It was the right level, uh, and, and it was a great level for Utah State in the sense we were, I think, budget-wise and facilities-wise and everything, we was we were the leaders in that area, and so we had a great opportunity to compete, and, and, and we were able to, to win a whole lot. In that 03-04 team, uh, where you pretty much ran the table, you did lose to Cal State Northridge in, the, in that first game and, and knocked you guys out of the Big West tournament, but we're still nationally ranked. What was the feeling like on that Sunday afternoon, waiting for your name to get called and not seeing it appear on the TV screen to uh, be in the big dance? That's a, that's a great question. You know, I don't want to be dramatic, but it was devastating. It, it was really devastating. Because didn't they that have cameras there, weekend. right? They had, like, cameras on you guys. Right? Like, is Utah uh, yeah, State going to get in uh, and all this? They had cameras. And, and we didn't know. We were hopeful. But we by no means thought we were in the tournament. But we were we were really hopeful. I remember we lost the game to Northridge. We got back on a plane um, 
I mean, because I think we lost on Friday, if I remember the days right, because it was the quarterfinal game, um, or maybe it was Thursday then. Anyway, we lose, we come back the next day, and it's just, it's miserable. It's just miserable, and we're all just cautiously hopeful. I watched about three or four minutes of that championship game and was just sick to my stomach. And then Sunday, yeah, we all go to the Spectrum. They have cameras there, and, uh, and, uh, we're watching it. I remember uh, Richmond got in, and uh, and that really concerned us with an at-large. And then UTEP got in. And we kind of knew when UTEP got in, at least I knew, based on what I'd read, I was like, I don't think we're out. And that was that was near the very end. Um, show got over. All, I, I don't remember anything other than I just walked out. I immediately just left. Walked out didn't stick around for interviews or anything like that. I wasn't even, I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk or anything. I, I literally just walked out, got in my car, didn't say a word, drove back to my ha- uh, apartment, uh, went in the bedroom and, uh, and just sat on the bed for probably about eight hours. Uh, didn't say a word to anyone. Didn't want to say a word to anyone. Uh, I think coach Ray called me the next morning or, yeah, I think it was the next morning because I don't even think I had a cell phone at the time. Intentionally didn't have a cell phone. I didn't want anyone to be able to contact me. Um, and, uh, and was just like, Hey, we got to get ready. We got Hawaii. And so I had my, I had my eight to 12 hours of morning and then I regrouped mentally and I was like, okay, well, we're in the NIT. Let's try to play in Madison Square Garden because that was always a dream of mine. And so that, that's how I kind of refreshed and revamped, but. Kind of having gone through it, and then especially as a senior, you know, I, it was devastating for me as a junior, but I knew that I had one more chance, one more year. Those seniors, I mean, that would have been really, really hard, really, really hard to kind of swallow having the season that we had, being ranked whatever we were, 19th, 21st in the country at that point. But, but yeah, that was a tough one, man. That was a real tough one. After you left Utah State, uh, you, uh, you had some chances to, to work out with the Utah Jazz. Uh, then eventually you went up and played internationally, and uh, you even have uh, another nationality that's placed on you. <laughs> Explain how that worked, uh, to work being able to play for uh, another country. I have Azerbaijan citizenship, and, uh, and it, it, it just a random thing. You know, in Europe, each country has its own rules of how many Americans, and so if you're an American and can play, but qualify for citizenship and play as a foreigner, not as an American, but as a European, then, uh, then you become more valuable. And, uh, at that time I was playing in Greece and, um, and Azerbaijan was really trying to push their national basketball program to try to promote it and try to have some success. And I was connected, uh, through some guys, a, a Serbian guy and some other guys, who were helping the Azerbaijan team kind of hired as consultants to find the right players. And, uh, and I ended up having a great game at the right time in front of the right people in Greece. It was a team, it was at the end of the year, I was playing in Peristeri in Athens at the time, and we were playing a team in Colossus Road, or no, that was Tricola, playing against Tricola. And I ended up having a great game that year, and, and the right guy was in the crowd and saw me and, came up to me afterwards and said, hey, we'd love you to come play for the national team. And I, sh- I said, sure, uh, after I kind of found out what it entailed. And so there were a couple summers where I went over 
and uh, and for a month or so, and traveled around Europe and played for their national team to to try to qualify uh, for the European Championships. You kind of have to move up. At no point were they going to be able to qualify for the Olympics, but the goal was to try to do well enough in their uh, in their classification to where they could advance and then try to qualify for the European Championships. And so we were playing kind of lower level countries like uh, Albania and Belarus and. Uh, and those kind of te- in Sweden, I remember playing against Sweden in those kind of uh, countries. But really cool experience. Azerbaijan is a great country. Uh, I mean, they have their issues too. But Baku is a beautiful city, and uh, I met a lot of really wonderful people that I actually I still keep in touch with on WhatsApp. I still I, I messaged with one of them the other day. So uh, it it was I, it was a blessing, and it helped my career uh, as well. So it was it was a fun thing. In 2015, you were named to the uh, Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you, that uh, that honor? I was really grateful to receive it. I thought that was uh, really grateful. And, and I thought, you know, it, it was symbolic and, uh, and kind of evidence of the success that we had at Utah State while I was there. And I really do mean we um, because... And I felt it when I got up to give a speech and I looked out at the teammates or I looked at Stu and, and, and Randy and Tim and, you know, the coaches and Don at that time. Um, I, I was so grateful that, that I, I was at Utah State when I was there. It was kind of a perfect storm. The right coach, um, the right system, you know, the right conference and, and obviously the right fans that, wrap their arms around that team or those teams. And, uh, and I, I was just grateful that I was able to be a part of it. And, uh, and the Hall of Fame obviously was just kind of a result of the success that we had. And I really do mean we. And, and it also it made me grateful for, you know, it kind of whatever it was in me, that the drive that I had to try to be good. Uh, you know, as a coach, it was interesting. I, I saw it. I saw it from a different perspective, and I, I, I think I was a little naive as a player just that, that that was the way I operated or the things that I did. I just, that's what everyone did, but in reality, it wasn't where, you know, I think back to Tim Durier, who was an assistant at the time, he would always leave his key for me in his mailbox, and, you know, three or four nights a week, I'd go drive to his house and get the key to the Spectrum and go into the spectrum at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and, and go shoot on my own and, and certain things like that. And I laugh about it now, you know, kind of what in the world was I doing, you know, but, but also grateful that I had a little bit of delusion in my mind that I was going to be good enough to play professional basketball. And in my mind at the time, it was to play in the NBA, and it obviously didn't work out there. But um, I, had, I had just a little bit of delusion, and I call it a healthy dose of delusion, that it motivated me to work harder, that if I worked and worked and worked, I actually was going to become good enough. And so I, I think about just little things like that that probably made all the difference in my basketball career. And, and at the, you know, when you get inducted to the Hall of Fame, you look back and you're grateful for the people, but you're also grateful that for whatever reason I did those little things that made all the difference and helped me you know, be, be successful. Were you surprised that you were not retained on Craig Smith's staff after uh, spending a couple of years there? Everyone thought you'd be the kind of the recruiter because you're familiar with the university, you're familiar with the state of Utah, and it's high school athletics. How surprised were you that you were not asked to come back? Yes and no. Craig obviously has had a phenomenal, done a phenomenal job at Utah State. And when you come in and, and start a program, 
Um, you want it to be your program, and, and I, I completely understand why he just wanted to start fresh with a clean slate, and I think he probably made a good choice, I mean, from that standpoint. At the same time, yeah, I, I have a lot of love and a lot of passion for Utah State, and um, I think there were probably a lot of reasons to keep me on. But I, I honestly, I think it's worked out uh, the best for everyone. I think it's worked out, obviously, for Utah State basketball. They've had a lot of success, and, and personally, uh, it, it's worked out really well for me that I've been I've been able to be a lot more present in in my kids' lives the last two years, you know, since then. So I, I'm glad they're doing really well, and I'm really glad it's the way, the way it's worked out for everyone. Well, and that kind of leads to the the last question for me that I had is that you know, in this process, in our course of interviews with above average former Aggie basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> is that, I like it. That, we want to follow up with them. Like, what what are they doing now? What have they done since playing for Utah State? And certainly, you've been a little more visual than than most around here because of of your time with the Utah Jazz on their radio broadcasts. And then you were an assistant coach for Utah State. Uh, but what what have you done since being an assistant for USU? What are you up to now? Great, great question. Um, so I I actually. I, connected with another Aggie, a former Aggie football player, Brian Hunsaker, who uh, started a, a wealth management firm, you know, 20 years ago. And I've known Brian for five or six years now. And uh, his firm's in Salt Lake. It's called Iron Gate Global Advisors. I've always had an affinity for, for markets. Uh, I was an accounting and finance major. I did an internship on Wall Street in their private equity, private placement group. And, and really, while I played basketball, one of my great passions was was investing and managing my own portfolio. And my wife will tell you when we first got married, actually, I hadn't thought about this. We, we were in Italy, and almost every day we'd play cards uh, when the stock market would open. It would be 2 o'clock uh, European time and uh, Italian time. And so we'd, we'd play cards every day, and she'd look at me and be like, really, this is what we're going to do is watch CNBC and play cards? And I'm like, you know, uh, just today. And then it turned into the day after. But I've always loved investing uh, and that kind of stuff. That's what Brian does, and he's phenomenal at it. And so um, had an opportunity to join his firm, and uh, and now we're partners uh, with one other guy named Brett Patterson, who's who's adopted into the Aggie family. We've adopted in. in but uh, And so I, I work in Logan most of the week, but come down to Salt Lake once or twice, and uh, and that's what I'm currently doing in very grateful that, that I get to do it. I really love what I do right now, and uh, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Utah State Hall of Famer Spencer Nielsen joining us here on the Full Court Press. Spencer, final questions for me. Uh, I want to play a little bit of a game with you. In your primes, Spencer Nielsen, Ty Wesley, Gary Wilkinson, if you're playing a game of 21, who wins? Gary, in, in our primes? Yeah. At your peak, in your prime, whatever that is. <laughs> Well, well, I have to go with myself, and I just—I mean, that's just what you have to do. And I would hope Gary would go with himself, and Ty would go with himself as well. In reality, Ty—Ty Ty probably uh, just injures us both, Gary and myself, <laughs> before we can even before we can get anywhere, and he wins the game. I don't know exactly what it is—if it's an elbow or or something like that—and and. and uh, and Gary, the other thing, I don't know, if Gary's hitting that day, he could win because he doesn't want to go in the key. Gary just wants to shoot threes, and so maybe he's just out there casting threes. But <laughs> I, I would like to think my uh, my experience and wisdom would get him. Great Ty Wesley story, actually. And this is why I think I beat Ty because I probably am in his head uh, enough to where he was, he was a redshirt freshman my 
senior year, if I have the years right, and uh, and he would run scout squad. And every single day, so there's your trash talking question. I forgot about Ty. Every single day, scout squad, he would try to score on me, and uh, and I'd always tell him two seconds, Ty, two seconds, just wait two seconds, because he'd shoot the ball and say something to me, and then we'd see the ball the ball bounce off the rim and not go in, and I'd just say, you got to wait two more seconds till it goes in, and then you can say whatever you want to me, but it's got to go in the basket. So. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think that uh, that I could win a game of twenty-one, but you'd have to go to the prime because I don't think I could even get to twelve in in the you know right now playing actual professional or playing basketball. Sam Merrill is uh, chasing down uh, the two thousand point mark. He'll join J.C. Carroll to, in doing so. I mean, Wayne Estes, of course, will be there. But I want to ask you: when you see Sam Merrill play now, when you see and when you remember J.C. Carroll, if you had a game on the line and you needed it, the one bucket to get it, who are you taking, J.C. or are you taking Sam? That's a great question. Wow. Two very different players in just reality. Two very different players. Both incredible basketball players. I think the similarity that made them both great is, is they are two incredibly competitive individuals. That competitiveness that, that drives them is, is really what made Jay great and, uh, and what Sam, and kind of a belief in, in themselves. I mean, Jay would have gone one-on-four and wholeheartedly believed he was going to score the basketball, and he would have, you know. And Sam's the same way where I remember even even when he was a freshman and sophomore, I remember uh, just looking at him and saying, hey, Sam, we need you to do this. And, and he'd go out and, and try to do it and do it a lot of the times. But he just believes, I think both of them believe they're capable of anything um, I want them both. I know that's the politically correct answer. Such a cop-out, uh, Spencer. Come on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I, either one of them. Jay, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, Jay's a better <laughs> shooter, I, I, you know, in terms of just pure shooting and scoring, but Sam's a, a, a more well-rounded basketball player. So I want, I want, I want both of them uh, on my team. And fortunately, I know them well both, uh, both, well enough that that I think I could recruit both of them to be on my team at the same time so I wouldn't have to choose. Spencer, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you and uh, reminiscing back on those times when you were an Aggie and what you've been doing since then. We we appreciate uh, what you embodied as an Aggie, how you represented the school on and off the courts, and it's been fun seeing what you've done since then. So we, we appreciate your time today and wish you all the success with what you're up to right now. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, obviously, I mean, Utah State's been so great to me, and all the all the coaches, all the administration, all the fans, and everyone. Uh, I really am grateful to be a part of the Aggie family, and uh, and attribute a lot of my success in life to, to the people that I've been surrounded by from college and then on. And so, I'm very grateful for. It. Appreciate what you guys are doing, and uh, go Aggies! Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Man, that was a lot of fun. Dude, he's so good. Spencer Nielsen just, like, off the levels. A great basketball player, better individual, but a heck of an interview to have. And, you know, we did it. We, we asked him the tough question. Like, look, you were on a great st- – I mean, you are on a staff. You did a good job as an assistant coach, especially in recruiting. You were not asked to come back. Were you disappointed? Were you upset? And you could tell he has appreciation for what Coach Smith and his staff is doing. 
but you could tell there's a little bit of, dang it, wish I was still there. And I thought it was really interesting to get a very raw, honest reaction to missing out on the NCAA oh, yeah. tournament that one Dude, day. it almost made me want to cry. Like, the fact that he walked and sat on his bed, and he sat for like eight hours <laughs> and didn't talk to anybody. Like, that that makes me sick that they missed the NCAA tournament like that. And I still feel bad for that team because I think they would have done some damage. I think they at least win one game. I re- they were that good. The yeah, Cal State Northridge didn't tell you how good of, of, of a team they were. No. No, but this has been a lot of fun catching up with former Aggie basketball players yep. over different eras, right? We've had the players in the mid-'90s. We've had them um, uh, for a little more modern era. And uh, and but players who kind of straddled different coaches, Larry Eustacey and Stu Morrill. Uh, it's been a lot of fun catching yeah. up with these guys. We're not done yet either. Uh, our final guest of the night here on our Aggie Legends uh, series continues and it's the point guard. He was rock solid, and pun intended. Uh, it's Bernard Rock here joining us on the Full Court Press. Bernard, thanks for your time, my man. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, Bernard, when you think about your time at Utah State, I want to start here. What was the process like for you to come to Utah State? What made you want to come and play for the Aggies? Uh, it's a funny story. Um, Coach Ray had you know heard about me or whatever. And he's like, hey, would you like to come up to Utah State? I'm like, Utah State? I'm like, I would have never thought about going to Utah of all places. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, my son was born, and my oldest son, uh, he was born in New Mexico. And in his hospital bed, or in the hospital, while he's being, like, the birth of him, Utah State Aggies played on ESPN that night. <laughs> and I was like... Utah State on ESPN? So, you know, I got to watch him and everything, and I saw a guy named Troy Roll. And I was like, wow, this dude is good. This dude can jump. This dude has a nice shot. And I was like, can I, I, I could imagine myself playing with him, you know, rock, and then it was a roll. Like, you could be a rock and roll. So that, that kind of was one of my decisions that made me go the one to come there. Really? Just Troy. because of the opportunity for the nickname? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rock and roll combination. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, speaking of which, I, I got to ask you, you played with some talented kids on that squad. What was it like to play with Troy Roll, though? And just, I heard he had hops. Uh, Man, can you, I mean, can you tell me about some of the memories of you watching him dunk a basketball? Well, the funny thing about Troy Roll dunk. Um, my son, speaking of my son again, we had went to Boise State for a basketball camp, and um, the dunk that Troy Rose had against Boise State at home, it was like on our you know nineteen old season, the packed house like twelve thousand fans was there. Um, Troy Rose, the ball was going out of bounds. I uh, I got the ball and. I threw it down to the, the side that we were supposed to go, and Troy happened to be running down there as I'm going for the steal, and I threw it to him. <laughs> and I swear to God, this dude was literally under the basket. Not under, but, you know, he he wanted to take a charge on Troy. <laughs> Troy jumped from probably, like, the dotted line, cocked it back, and just jammed it in his face. And I mean, like, the whole stadium went nuts. I mean, we going crazy. And I, you know how we say when you when you dunk on somebody, 
And, you know, I can't say this on the radio, but, you know, you put your stuff in their face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Troy did. Troy put all of it in his face. It was, it was the nastiest dunk I've ever seen in person. And I was like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, the dunk was just absolutely ridiculous. Did you, did you guys win that game, by the way? I, forgive me. My memory is... Oh, yeah. We definitely, we, we definitely won that because we, we, we won 19-0 into the... That's tournament. right. Yeah, you guys won that game <laughs> so, going away. Yeah we, yeah, we did win that game. <laughs> So, oh, it was awesome, though. It was awesome. So it was, uh, you said it was uh, Randy Ray who mostly was involved in the recruiting process to bring you to Utah State? Yes, yes. When, when was your first interaction with, um, with Larry Eustacey? I didn't, I didn't coach with Larry. I didn't, he was my coach. Uh, we still have Stu Morrill. Oh, it was Morrill the I whole time? It was, it was, it was Morrill. Uh, I think it was his second year. Oh, that's right. Or, yes. Or, or third year at Utah State. Okay, so so what was it like uh, your first interaction with Stu? Uh, is he was uh, he'd had some experience at Colorado State. He's had some experience uh, in coaching some different places. So he came to Utah State, started to turn some things around, built on a, a program that was having some success and having some momentum. Uh, what mm-hmm. was it like in your first interactions with Stu? My first interactions with Stu Moore was kind of. It was it was crazy because I was supposed to meet him on my recruiting trip, um, but unfortunately that morning I did not wake up. Like I was just like zoned out in my hotel room, knocked out. Um, Coach Raiden banging on my door. We got to get you back to the the, the, the airport. You, you missed the meeting. I'm like, what? How did I miss the meeting? So my, I didn't get to meet Coach until when I actually got to campus for the following year that I was coming to Utah State. Um, but, I mean, it was he's an awesome coach. I have nothing but great things to say about this man. Um, obviously, he changed my game dramatically. Um, but, I mean, we came to a situation where we had nine, maybe ten new guys on the team. So, like, pretty much all of us was fresh into this new system that Coach Morrow had put in. Um but yeah, he, he's such a great guy. Freaking huge hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a, uh, an experience that you had with him as your coach over your time where you were uh, an Aggie? Uh, a, a special memory that you have of him being your coach or something either he did in a game or uh, in the locker room or on a road trip? Well, actually, I got kicked out of one of my first practices ever in my whole entire life. From Coach Moore. <laughs> Whoa! How was this? You know what? I don't know. Like, it's something had happened. I don't know for some strange reason. I got super tired. Like, I couldn't run anymore. My legs were like spaghetti. And I was like, I, I, Coach, I can't. I, I physically can't run. And I, he said something, and I said something smart back to him. And the the, the, the look on his face was like in total <laughs> shock that I even said anything back. <laughs> And he, at first, at first, he didn't know what to say or do, and he was just like, "You know what? Just get out. <laughs> <laughs> get out. Go." And it was like, I mean, I don't know what I don't remember what I said, but I know it was something that kind of like startled him and took him like by surprise. Like I didn't even say something back, and he was like, "You know what? Just get out of practice." <laughs> and ever since then, I've never said anything back to Coach Morrill. We've been, on, we've been on a good path ever since. <laughs> do you do you still talk to him often, or uh, I don't talk to him as often as I used to when he was coaching. Um, 
I don't I don't know if he's on Facebook. If he is, I haven't saw friend requests or anything like that, or, or even friends people you may know. Um, but when he was coaching, I used to talk to him because after I even stopped playing, I, I used to live in Utah. I was living in Utah prior to after that, so I was, used to go to all games. I uh, always went down to the locker room, and sometimes I used to, used to practice with the guys. So, yeah, but I haven't really talked to him. Like I've talked, I've seen Coach Ray uh, plenty of times. One of my sons is obviously playing AAU. I've seen him at tournaments. I've seen Coach B. Um, Coach Durier, who's at Boise now, my, like I said, my coach went to the Boise camp. So I've, I've seen quite a bit of assistance, but I haven't really seen him or even talked to him. Hey, what was the toughest environment you ever played at? Uh, as far as in college? Yeah. Um, what we played at that was tough. I mean, to be honest with you, none of them was really too tough. Long Beach State was, because they, they had a nice, you know, crowd, and, and they were pretty good. But it was just something about Idaho teams that I always had a good time playing against, because I always get my career highs against either Boise or... University of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, like I said, Boise probably was one of the, I mean, uh, Long Beach State was probably one of the toughest places to play. You know, we're talking to Bernard Rock. He was a point guard for the Utah State Aggies in 1999-2000 to 2000 season mm-hmm. and the 2000-2001 to 2001 season. And uh, those were some really good teams, as you've mentioned, some great teams. You made it to the NCAA tournament. You were able to break through um, and uh, and be a part of uh, something really special, not just getting there, but uh, being a part of something special. Uh, when we spoke to Troy Roll the other night, he talked about uh, a guy like Tony Brown and, and some of the other players on that squad and, and what it was like to get to that level and have that opportunity to play. in that. Uh, the, first of all, the, the reigning champs, UConn, in the tournament. Uh, first, <laughs> just that experience of being able to hear your your school named and called that you get to go to the NCAA men's basketball tournament. What was that like for you when you heard that and you finally get that opportunity? Uh, to be honest, I mean, it's just something that we all as basketball players in college look forward to is, is March Madness. It's like one of the biggest tournaments of the year and, you know, for years and years. So when we got the – that's what we was trying to play for, to get to the tournament. Um, and when we got there, we thought – we should have been a higher seed. So to play against the UConn, who, like I said, was a defending national chance, was kind of almost like a blown to us. Like, really? Like, we played so hard. We had the country's longest winning streak, you know. Um, but it was, but at the end of the day, it's just a, a jersey across from you. It's anybody in between the lines, you can play against anybody. So it was definitely a neat experience. That it sucked, though, because I actually – Played like crap. <laughs> uh, it wasn't too much of a good memory for me. Um, but uh, just being there, and uh, we had like a police escort to the game. Like we was going through red lights. So just the whole NCAA experience was just phenomenal. It was something that you would live, learn for you the rest of your life. So, you know, like I said, but. I got to ask you, that was it was the point guard, it was El Amin, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. What was it like playing against him? I mean, I know he was a baller, especially in that the the year before in the defending champs. But was he as good as advertised? I mean, I saw him on TV, but in person. Oh, in person, his 
totally different. Like, I mean, he was a, a big, big point guard. Like, he, I know, no, there was no shortcuts about it. He was a little chubbier, and but but he was super fast. Like, I was like, I was shocked how fast he was because of how much like his body built was. Like, I was super shocked. Um, but yeah, he was he was definitely a good best. They had trees. I mean, they had trees on trees. Like, their whole starting five was six, seven, and better, except for little Khalid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, it, it was it was it was definitely a neat experience. Um, humbling, because I thought for sure we at least would have played better than we did. Um, and had a chance to win. I thought we would have had a chance to win. Were you? Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. Were Were you guys? I remember that game was close, wasn't it, Eric? If I remember right, that game was semi close, wasn't it? At one point. Um. At one point, yes, it was close at one point, and then they just said, "You know what? Let's just <laughs> let's get this little team out of here." <laughs> huh. The how different was it? The experience of going the following year. I mean, you had that experience going against UConn and another great season. But then you get a, another chance to go back to the NCAA and do something a little bit different, and you guys did. Uh, wh- what was that like? Well, obviously, you know, we was we wasn't satisfied. Um, we made it there, which was nice, and you know, that's what we all dreamed about. But we we said when we my my goal of next year was definitely not to play as bad as I did. So for, for me, I had a different chip on my shoulder. And like I said, we had the experience under our belt, so we knew what to expect as far as you know the out the crowd. You know they going they know we know if we kept the game close. They're gonna start cheering for the underdog. <laughs> so yeah, it was a different mindset going into the following season. Was like you got to get a win. Like Utah State never had a, a win in the NCAA tournament, so we want to be the first ones to give them that. And I mean, it took us to get the overtime to do it, but we we did it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the? It, that was the Ohio State win, right? Yeah. And so I got to ask you a question. People seem to forget this after Tony Brown's jumper, that little you know floater that took ten pump fakes. But mm-hmm. after that, Sean Daniels nearly made a huge mistake overplaying the inbound inbounds pass and allowing that Ohio State kid to get a shot that he nearly banked in from half court. Bernard, people oh, almost yeah, forget yeah, yeah, that they yeah. nearly won that game on a half-court shot at the buzzard. Yeah, even Sean Face was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad he missed <laughs> 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 uh, what was What was the feeling like in the locker room after you win an NCAA tournament game? Like, Did Coach Morrow come in and celebrate, or was it just, you know what, great, now we got to go beat UCLA? What was the feeling like? Oh, I mean, it was definitely – you know, we, everybody was cheering and jumping, dumping, dumping. We was like, we're not done yet. So, I mean, it was, it was like back to business. You know, we got to win because we knew we sh- should have won. Like, we went in the mentality that we're going to try to win mm. this game. So, but like I said, it took Tony Brown's pump fakes to get us to that moment. But we we celebrated for the, for the most part. And then it was like, all right, let's go watch some other games or get ready to go for tomorrow, the next day. Bernard, what uh, what did you do once you left and graduated Utah State? Where did your life take you after uh, leaving Logan? Um, I went to Arizona for about a two years. Um, I was still trying to get uh, overseas. Um, it just somehow it wasn't working out for, for some strange reason. I don't know why. Um, but then I did get an opportunity because Curtis Bob is my best friend. We still talk every day. <laughs> 
um, he got he got went overseas. Um, he got me an opportunity to to uh, he was in Austria at the time. He had talked to some coaches, got some some people to get me to go out there for a year. But then I got hurt. I pulled my groin really bad, like my very first ever serious injury in my whole entire life. It happens when I get to the professional. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so I, mean, I didn't really do too much after that. I just started working. I mean, I had kids. So I took care of my family. Where? Uh, how many kids do you have now? I have four. I have an older son who's 20. I have a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and I have a 7-year-old. Any, bas- Ooh, any basketball boost. players? Huh? Any, any basketball players? Uh, my oldest son was playing um, for a little bit. But then, you know, life happened with him. He made me a grandfather. Do you believe that? I'm wow. a grandfather. You're, you're a young You're grand- feeling old, aren't grandpa. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, I, call, me, call me G-Rock. I got to ask you, who's the G-Rock. best player you ever played against in your college career? In my college career? Ooh. Well, I mean, obviously, you have to go to the, obviously, UCLA, Earl, Earl Watson was a stud. Oh, Earl was mm. on that team. Oh, huh? yeah. Yes, he was a stud. Uh, and like I said, I mean, from when you watch these guys on TV, they don't seem as good as that they really are if you get to actually see him in person. So, yeah, I could say he probably was one of the best. But, but I mean, I've played against Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury. Um, Sham God is like one of my my best friends, so I played with him. So I, I played against a lot of good talented people in my life. Um, I played with Mike Bibby plenty of times in, in LA Fitness, um, and it, and they had a whole bunch of NBA players in there. So, did you say you I played mean, against Allen Iverson? I'm sorry, you you casually just brought that up. <laughs> he yeah, dropped a lot I mean, of big names there, RJ. Yeah, and 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 the Rucker. You know, I'm from I'm from New York, so. You know, the, they, a lot of these guys come playing the Rucker League, and you know, he happened to be, and one of the teammate uh, teams that I was playing against. So I got to experience that. <laughs> hey, your son who's a senior in high school. Does he have any offers or any interest from any local schools at all? Or, um, DU is where he lives in Colorado. Okay. Um, the Air, the Air Force offered him. UC Davis offered him. Um. But he still he still hasn't committed yet. He's still trying to finish out this senior year and maybe get a mall offer. Um, I tried to get Utah State together, but they already signed the point guard and they was already looking at him. But you know they wanted somebody who can score was more aggressive on the scoring. My son isn't as aggressive on the scoring as he should be, <laughs> as I keep telling him he should have been. <laughs> but he's a stud, though. He's a stud. I, I say he's definitely at his age or even younger. He was definitely much better than I was, especially as far as like ball handling, his basketball IQ, and his his jump shot is like Steph Curry ish. <laughs> wow, Bernard, so, I got to ask you: Do you have a chance uh, to to, uh, to 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 spy in and watch any of the Yagi games? Is they're on national television from time to time? This current team. No, I, I, I honestly I can't say that I have. To be honest with you, um, I kind of work and I get home late sometimes. So, and then I, I don't really keep follow any really college basketball to see like who's playing and when they're playing. But I have seen like I think maybe one or two games, and they they look pretty solid from what I see. 
Hmm. Yeah, they're hoping to uh, yeah keep keep being solid. That's an important stretch (laughs) for them right now. Yeah, Uh, I mean, it definitely shocked a lot of people last year as far as getting to the tournament with the you know firing of uh, Coach uh, Durier to get a new coach. Um, But yeah, I they're definitely keeping USU alive. Hey, Bernard, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you know how much we appreciate you and what you did for the Utah State University. Obviously one of the more uh, exciting point guards to watch, basketball players to watch here uh, at uh, Aggie Nation. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and especially thank you for tonight. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Even considering calling me to to interview. I really appreciate it. Are you coming on Saturday night, or are you not going to be able to make it? No, yeah, unfortunately I won't be able to make it. Um, Okay. you know, they kind of sent the emails and stuff out too late, and oh, okay. you know, my, it's my wife, my wife's birthday, and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, that would do I, it. <laughs> I would love to though. I would love to though. It, it would definitely be a neat experience. Hey, thanks, uh, Bernard. Appreciate you, man. Take care. All right, thank you. Right. Thanks, Bernard. That's Bernard Rock, one of the great Aggie point guards. There's been a bunch of them, and he's just one a, a part of that list. Yeah, first team All Big West. Uh, he uh, was. Uh, with the best assist man in the conference in his averages of, of assists. So a big, big time distributor for his teammates was on a, a very special group of guys that made it to the NCAA tournament yeah, once, monster. went back and was able to win a game. No one else has been able to do that. Dude, I since. forgot he was a part of Sometimes you forget some of these guys were a part of those other teams. Like you look at that year and you're like, oh, okay. And you're just zoned in on that one year. You forgot. I forgot, excuse me, that Bernard was a part of that Ohio State squad and he was starting. On that Ohio, or against, I mean, against that Ohio State squad in the NCAA tournament. Really, really cool. Uh, so big thanks to Bernard Rock and uh, Dispensary Nilton for joining us today. All right, we'll take a quick step aside. When we come back, some final thoughts about the Utah Jazz, and they're playing not Denver very Nuggets. many guys. <laughs> Denver may, maybe only have seven guys that can play tonight. We'll uh, half the that. chicken nugget. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, appreciate you tuning in on a Wednesday. Man, it's been a lot of fun this week, catching up with former Aggies. There were memories of when they played, what they've done since. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed the conversations that we've had lately. You can go back and listen on uh, on our website, 1069thefan.com. That's where we have all of our podcasts, the, uh, the press conferences, just a wealth of, of audio there for you to go back and listen to. Uh, Utah Jazz are in action tonight, taking on the Denver Nuggets. Basically, they're only going to have seven guys available. They've had some trades that they've been involved with. Guys need to clear physicals. Other guys are hurt and banged up. So it's a kind of a mash unit there for the, the Nuggets. So it should be a, a shorthanded Nuggets squad. Jazz should be at full strength. And uh, we'll see what happens if the Jazz try to get back on track. Uh, We won't have that, though, because we're going to be having Skyview and Logan here on the fans. So have a great night, everybody.